Good day, good day. Thanks for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Uh, forgive me, it's been a while since I've released an episode, but uh, everybody got sick in my house. Alhamdulillah, it wasn't COVID, but you know, cold and winter season coming and I got slammed. I'm still getting over it and uh, had some family visiting. So yeah. Recently, I've been uh, getting back into referring or understanding um, the phenomena of the jinn world and how it relates to human beings. And this is something I've always been interested and intrigued by. Um, Naturally, it's a part of psychology from the Islamic paradigm. Um, It's interesting that often the jinn and humans are mentioned together in the Quran. We also know that our, our story... You know, the human drama, if you will, is intricately tied to uh, the world of the jinn. And the world of the jinn is intricately tied to ours. Let's start with some quick facts about the jinn or uh, the genie world. And English is, is what we refer to as genie. For those of us that don't know and for those of us that, you know, could use the reminder, right? We always can. So first off, the word jinn uh, linguistically uh, jen is singular and jin is plural for this, you know, species of sentient beings. Um, they are described in the Quran as being created from a smokeless flame or a clean fire. Um, and I'll come back to that. But uh, what we know about the jinn, according to the Quran and Sunnah and those who know better than me, that they have their own world, culture, civilization, kingdoms, you know, ethnicities, languages, religions, you name it. And a lot of that actually reflects what goes on for humans, right? So you have uh, genies that follow and prescribe similar religions or no religion, just like human beings do. Um, The jinn have families like us, they reproduce, they have different sizes and statures, right? You have like smaller, weaker ones, you have very powerful ones, you have young ones that are more mischievous and, you know, little punks, basically, right? And you have the you know, very powerful, wise, uh, ancient ones, right? Uh, Their lifespans actually last longer than humans, typically. Um, Some of them can live up to hundreds of years, thousands of years even, right? Uh, And Allah knows best. The word jen comes from a word which means something that is, uh, you know, not visible to the eye. We have also the meaning of something that is concealed, Uh, or veiled, or in the darkness. In other words, it is beyond your direct sensory perception. Something that is not visible to the eye, right? So, for example, there's a verse in the Quran where Allah talks about He knows you even when you're Jannah in your mother's womb. Like, you're basically an unseen thing or invisible to the... Yeah, like not invisible in the sense of they're not visible at all, but they're just invisible to the human eye. They're unseen creatures. So... They are real things, they exist, they have bodies, they are, they're not supernatural in the sense of they are bound by the laws of nature in their dimension, right? So they exist in this world, in this reality, and they're not like some spiritual thing. They actually have, like we said, families and, and they breed and they have, you know, hobbies and, and so forth. So fascinating. They have kingdoms, civilizations, you name it. So these creatures are have sentience. In other words, they have intelligence, they have accountability, they have will, they have choices. They also have different capacities and powers than us and some similar ones. But for instance, when you look at the elemental properties of Bani Adam as Sabsalin Kalfakhar, you know, made from clay and earth mixed with water, um, that's going to influence the properties of our nature and jinn are made from this smokeless fire which influences the properties of their nature. So when you think about the elements of earth and water versus the element of fire and let's say air, um, they have distinct properties and natures, okay? The human being actually possesses all of the elements. Uh, Allah mentions all these elements in the Quran and it's very simple. We have heat and fire in us, right? We have air, we have water and we have earth. The jinn are mostly fire and air. 
And this allows them to have different capacities, let's say for form or travel. Um, it's known that some jinn can travel very quickly. Uh, some jinn can take different forms and shapes. They can appear as different things. Uh, we also understand from the Quran that they are, in a sense, ultra-dimensional and extra-terrestrial at the same time, because the jinn can leave the earth and travel into different realms, and they also are on the earth, but in a interdimension or a different dimension. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala actually describes in the Quran, and it's actually really eerie. You know, when I th when you think about it, Allah says that the shaitan and his you know minions basically are watching you and plotting against you from a place you cannot see them, but they can see you. So it's like they can be in the room with you when you have no idea, and they're just in a different dimension. And we know in physics today, you know, there's concepts of multiple dimensions, and we're just accessing some of them, but there's multiple dimensions. So it's very possible that they're able to travel or go through these different dimensions. And this is why it's important also because naturally it's in the Quran and it's part of Iman to believe what's in the Quran. It's not a legend, people. People, you know, you can't refuse to accept that Iblis exists or the jinn exists, but you're good with accepting God, right? It's like, no, it's not about picking and choosing, right? Allah tells us they exist. There's a surah named after them for God's sake. You know, they're real and they exist and they're in your house and they're around, right? That's the story. Everybody has at least one uh, jinn assigned to them from the command of their, you know, leader, right? Allah knows best if Iblis is the leader of all of them or, or what, but he's certainly the head honcho godfather, if you will, of the uh, dark mafia of the jinn. And we know that the jinn also have good and evil, just like humans. Uh, and they have the ability to accept and receive guidance, like in Surah Al-Jinn. A group of the jinn heard the Prophet ﷺ, Muhammad reciting Quran and this group of jinn, Allah describes them as all like gathering and huddling around the Prophet, right? And again, they're in this ultra dimension, if you will. And Allah is telling the Prophet that this is what's happening right now, right? Because Allah sees and knows all things. Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul. It has been revealed to me, you know, he's, he's telling the Prophet to say, you know, as the recitation of the Qur'an, it has been revealed to me that a group of jinn listened to the Qur'an and said to their fellow jinn, indeed, we have heard a wondrous recitation, meaning the Qur'an. The jinn continue in verse 2, it leads to right guidance, so we believe in it, or we believe in it, and we will never associate anyone with our Lord in worship. So, they're professing Tawheed here. Verse 3, now we believe that our Lord, exalted in His majesty, has neither taken a mate nor offspring. So the jinn are pointing this out, you know, that La ilaha illallah, Allah is ahadun, He's one and unique without a second, He doesn't have a mate or offspring, and there's nothing like His likeness. Laysa kamithlihi shay. Verse 4, And that the foolish of us, meaning the jinn, so they're talking about themselves, and that the foolish of us used to utter outrageous falsehoods about Allah. Okay, so just like human beings, jinn also have made up lies about Allah or, or spread false beliefs and theologies, right, throughout the ages. Verse 5, we certainly thought that humans and jinn would never speak lies about Allah. 6, and some men used to seek refuge with some jinn, so they increased each other in wickedness. So here is a proof of some humans used to seek refuge with jinn, in other words, Jinn would, they would have bonds with them, partnerships, deals, protect me, do this for me, I'll do this for that. You know, sihr, um, you know, haunting, paranormal activities, causing a fuss. Verse 6, and those humans thought, just like you jinn, that Allah would not resurrect anyone for judgment. So, you know, the jinn and humans are being addressed here that the resurrection is real, you're accountable, you're both sentient, you're both... You both have free will and you're both going to return to Allah. And that's why Allah mentions the jinn and humans often together when it comes to the akhirah and accountability. And, you know, go check it out for yourself. Surah al-Jinn, look at Surah al-Rahman and so forth. Chapter 8, earlier we tried to reach heaven for news, meaning the universes or outside of the earth's atmosphere, only to find it filled with stern guards and shooting stars. 
And the commentary on this was these guards are the angels blocking them from entering different realms or universes. And sometimes shooting stars are used when we see them in the sky. They're actually used like, you know, as, as weapons or ways to uh, fight off the jinn from entering into gates of, you know, dimensions or space, let's say, that they're not allowed to. So that's also a phenomena that we can witness in our seen world. Sometimes shooting stars are actually that. And sometimes they're just meteors and shooting stars. And Allah knows best. And the jinn say we used to take, verse 8, and the jinn say we used to take up positions there for eavesdropping, but whoever dares eavesdrop now will find a flare lying in wait for them. Right? So some they're going to be attacked. In other words, there's more protection in the heavens. And some scholars say this happened with the coming of the Prophet Muhammad. Like a lot of things changed on the planet to set the stage for the final messenger, the seal of the prophets, and essentially the final epoch of humankind in jinn. And the jinn accept the guidance. The jinn that are not, you know, believers or, or good are from the demonic, let's say, category, okay? Um, and in that category, you have different intensities and levels, just like with the good ones. So you have, you know, all the, you know, what's called the Afrit, which is a very powerful, strong jinn, you know, usually ancient, been around for a long time, knows how to, you know, crush it in the way he needs to. And you have the little young jinn who are mischievous and curious, and they tend to be sometimes the ones that interact with our world because they're not supposed to, right? It's like a kid who plays hooky or, you know, skips school or likes to break the rules. It's like there's something about that rush that youth tend to be drawn to, right? Pushing the boundaries. And part of the ways that the jinn can push the boundaries is by entering into our world and, and messing, you know, with, with things. Jinn can also mess with you because they actually feel they were harmed by you or hurt by you or whatever, right? We You may do these things when you're not noticing, for example. And then don't get paranoid, but I'm just giving you some examples here, right? It doesn't mean every time you take a step down the stairs, you're, you're cracking a jinn's head and now you're going to be you know, haunted forever. But what's also really fascinating is when you really think about a lot of the kind of paranormal, supernatural, even UFO extraterrestrial phenomena that happens, in my understanding, you know, jinn is the, the actually the most central explanation for it all, right? Ghosts and goblins and demons and aliens and technological, you know, UFO unidentifiable objects that do things and possess people and take them away. And I mean, Allah knows best, but the jinn actually fit that category. Um, they have been around much longer than us. They have been studying us for a long time. We also know that the demonic jinn or the dark side, you know, the evil forces amongst them, they've had it in for humans since the beginning and they want their world back, right? They feel replaced by us. That's why Iblis... Um, rebelled against Allah from day one with Sayyidina Adam So they want their world back and trust me they are working on it constantly and the best part is for them at least is when they succeed when their enemy doesn't even know they exist or that they're doing what they're doing to them right? Because it's all surprise it's like you know we're also in love with our iPhones and and uh, technology, and yeah, there's a lot of khair to that, right? But everything is a double-edged sword. I mean, I was reflecting the other day, when you take the archetype or that image of the jinn, you rub a lamp, right? Genie, Aladdin, and this, this hologram, the smoke, some image appears, something that did not fit in a tiny lamp, which, by the way, is a, usually a metallic object, but we'll come back to that. Um, and then all of a sudden, this creature appears, and it does what you ask it to do, right? You make wishes and it does it for you. Technology today, in a sense, is like that, right? I swipe. Uh, when you look at somebody on their phone swiping up and down and left and right, it looks like they're rubbing a lamp to me, you know? And it's like, let me fulfill your wishes for you, right? And this brings me to the properties uh, that I was mentioning earlier. The jinn are made of the smokeless fire. Now, what would that mean in modern terms, okay? It's possible that it means... They're made of a type of electricity, a type of plasma, let's say, which is a, one of the states of matter, you know, where the atomic structure is, um, it's not as organized as, let's say, when you have a solid object, right? So 
they have this concept of this airy, fiery thing, and heat is a type of energy. So they are, of course, a type of energy, just like humans are. I mean, everything is organized energy, and humans are no different. We have powerful energy, electromagnetic energy, heat, uh, biochemical, electricity. That's in the human being. So the jinn are more of this, let's say. And often the way the scholars describe them is they're, they don't have a temporal form like us. Uh, so that may suggest why they're able to travel or take different forms or appearances of forms, just like a genie out of a bottle does, right? But when you really think about it today, you get all your wishes granted with your dang iPhone, right? I want some pizza. Boom, it's here. I want something delivered from Amazon by tonight. Boom, it's here. I want to connect with somebody or talk to somebody or get a flight to go somewhere. Boom, it's here. Think about that. It's like a little lamp that fulfills all your wishes. And how is that connected to the jinn? Well, let's face it, guys. The way things are going with a lot of humans is we're becoming less human. And more, the more technological we become or the more interface we have with screens and electricity and all these inanimate objects that falsely give us a world that we use as a standard to evaluate our success or not, which is just so mind-boggling when you really think about it, that what is in a small screen, you know, six inches wide and long or whatever, is what determines my existence, right, for a lot of people. Not the world itself not the gift of your own consciousness, it's, it's that. And we know that advertisements and notifications and all these people that just are after money are mining humans through algorithms and constantly competing for your attention, for your consumption, for your distraction. Come on, that doesn't sound evil to you, then what does? Somebody is trying to rob you of the most important resource you have, time, right? Time, time, time. New Year's is coming up. You guys remember my New Year's episodes? Well, it's, subhanAllah, it's one month away. Time flies, doesn't it? So when a human being is no longer engaging as a full human being, when his or her desires, precepts, you know, wants and wishes is all through some kind of a object full of electricity that we know causes long-term damage in multiple ways, right? Not just content, but we still don't even know the, we still don't know the electrical uh, effects of all this on our systems. And we've got 5G coming, and there's actually a huge petition, by the way, in Europe of over 300 doctors, I believe, and, and uh, researchers and scientists and so forth, basically trying to stop 5G towers and 5G from occurring in Europe, right? Because they say this is a very... Um, concerning and even dangerous frequency to have in one's home. And the scary thing is, is if I choose not to use 5G phones, what if, you know, there's still eight towers in my neighborhood? I'm still going to get affected by that, right? On top of all the towers that already exist for everything we're already using, TV and 4G and 3G and so forth, right? Is it possible that, as we know in the, the Sunnah, that the Shayateen, they give weswisa, which means whisper, they influence, they can almost send signals to your consciousness of thought, right? Inspirations. So things pop up in your inner screen, right, of your mind, uh, a weswisa from shaitan. And you are made of matter and electricity. They're made of fire. You're made of earth. Fire needs earth to burn and to, you know, feed itself. The Prophet ﷺ, for example, told us of a hadith of a fat and a skinny jinn. And the fat jinn said to his buddy, you know, you look horrible, man. You're so skinny and weak and what's going on? And the skinny jinn says, I've got a horrible assignment. You know, these people are mu'mineen. You know, they say bismillah when they go in the house, when they leave the house, before they eat, before they do everything. They pray, they make afkar. I can't get anything out of them, right? In other words, I can't consume, I can't feed. There's nothing I can get. So he's weakened by that. And the weaker he is, the less he can influence you. The fat jinn says the opposite. He says, oh, my case is awesome, dude. These guys always argue. They don't remember Allah. There's no Islamic culture in the family. So I am just, basically, it's like a spa for this jinn, right? That's why he's fat and just licking his fingers, you know? And this is the reality, right? In an ultra dimension, if Allah gave you the vision to see what you could really see, you know, that's what you could be seeing. This is why the Prophet told us these things. So we do have this concept of, 
they're made of a smokeless fire, possibly some kind of electric electricity um, or a plasma, let's say. They can take form, they can influence, they can travel very fast, they can go from dimension to dimension, they can see us from a dimension we can't see them. So is it possible that technology, subhanAllah, is the one thing that has grown in power like by the billions or trillions, right? CPU power and so forth. Nothing else in human history has ever grown and excelled at such a rate. No other acceleration ever. It's really interesting. And we're like, yeah, this is awesome. We've got computers and email and I can do everything this and online. And again, double-edged sword. There's a lot of khair and benefit in it if you use it properly, right? It's awesome when you're in the middle of nowhere and somebody got severely injured and you can call an ambulance, right? In the old days, old days, when I was a kid, one of us had to run home to get a parent to call somebody, right? And that depends on how far, far you were. So there's, of course, benefits to this. But remember... Everything that appears too good to be true isn't. It never is, you know? And so while we think we're enjoying and getting all this social and consumer and accelerated this and that via technology, number one, we still can never escape death or the basic needs of being human. That never changes your nature. And number three, how is all of this stuff being mined and harnessed against us? And maybe some of you have seen it. I think it was called like Social Dilemma. I don't remember, maybe, uh, yeah, something like that. You know, this documentary on Netflix where they got all these people from like Google and Twitter and Facebook and they're basically like, yo, there's a huge problem of, of what we designed and it's just getting worse and we, you know, we've got to stop this because humans are losing their consciousness, their, their center of being because of these devices and the way they're designed is simply to mine you for money, consumption and attention. That means there's no dhikr of Allah. Right? And the opposite of dhikr is ghafla. The opposite of shukr of Allah is kufr of Allah. As Allah says in the Surah Al-Baqarah, right? فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرُكُمْ وَشْكُرُونِي وَلَا تَكْفُرُونَ Shukr and kufr is connected. Ghafla and dhikr. So you tell me. Let's take a short break and then I'd like to share some reflections on the story of Suleyman as it relates to jinn and humans. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, please sponsor us at uh, patreon.com. Leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, uh, wherever you listen, and we'll be right back. on the story of Suleyman as it relates to the jinn and humans. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a special 
dominion over the world of the jinn. So he could harness them, and they actually helped build his kingdom and, and palace. And the Quran actually describes things that Sulaiman had that no other human you know, king had before on that earth. Like his kingdom was unique. And one thing that we notice is technology. And second is the incident of getting Sheba's throne, which I'll get to in a minute. But Sulaiman's kingdom is described as having things that no one has ever seen. For example, glass floors, you know, like the Queen Sheba thought it was water when she first came, I think. So she lifted her dress because she's never seen anything like this, right? It's like, what is this? Um, he had fountains of liquid copper and this and that. And technology was with him that other humans and kings didn't have. So you get this sense that Sulaiman's kingdom, you know, they have like a system almost like factories and they're producing technologies, right? With different things, armor, architecture. Suleiman had special powers around uh, the forces of nature. You know, like he had a, like almost like a spaceship. He had a, a, a ship that could travel quickly through the sky. I mean, come on people, reflect on these things. This is technology. What we call miracles back then for them is maybe could be just forms of technology that we just had enough time to figure out how to do that but there's still a lot more going on. In other words, there's a creator to forces of nature, and these forces can be harnessed, manipulated, you know, used properly or improperly. And so NBA also have to give us, prophets also have to give us examples of how to use those forces properly, right? They may not have quote-unquote tech, but they have access to the same effects, let's say. So Suleiman, you, you get this, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a real, it's a real powerful, uh, fantastic story. And there's one very interesting incident where Suleiman is um, having political and, and contact and religious contact. He's calling the Queen of Sheba, who's known to be a righteous person. He's calling her to Islam to understand La ilaha illallah. And so they're going, they're corresponding. And at some point, Sheba is going to now come to Suleiman and visit him. Sheba is located in southern Arabia, and Suleiman is in Jerusalem. Uh, so Suleiman's expecting her to come. And at one point in Surah An-Naml, the chapter of the ant, uh, chapter 27, verse uh, 38 in the Quran, it's, you know, there's a section that starts, and Suleiman says, O chiefs, to his people in his court, which of you can bring me her throne before they come to me in Islam? So Suleiman says to his you know, chiefs, which of you can bring me this throne before she gets here? And one of the people in his court was a jinn. And the one mighty jinn is called Afrit, which is a basically a strong in stature, right? Remember, they have variation in intensity, degrees, and knowledge, and so forth. The jinn do just like humans. And one mighty jinn responded, uh, quote, I can bring it to you before you rise from this council of yours, right? In other words, some say before you leave the area or before you even get up from your throne. Your Suleiman is sitting down when he's addressing his court, right? Like all kings do. And the jinn says, I can bring this to you before you even get up out of your chair or before you, you know, leave from this gathering. Like in other words, within five seconds to 60 seconds probably. And the jinn says, and I am quite strong and trustworthy for this task. Right, so he's like, I and you can be assured, you know, Suleiman, the jinn's telling him, I can do this, right? Really, Subhanallah. Uh, then verse twenty-seven, forty. In the next verse, it follows. But the one who had knowledge of the scripture, meaning the the scripture of Suleiman, the revelation of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, for which that was possessed by Suleiman, quote, he said, I can bring it to you, in the blink of an eye. Okay, so what do we know about this mysterious person? Number one, we actually know it's a human, right? That's the strongest opinion. And some hadiths refer to a specific name, but I don't know. Uh, and so this was a human being. And now this is fascinating because a very powerful jinn, Afrit, who's considered like the top 5%, right? In strength and so forth. He's, he's in the court of Suleiman. So he's not a, um, you know, some little punk jinn, right? A human says, I can bring it the throne for you even faster in a blink of an eye. Has anyone ever thought about this? And the verse continues. So let me just finish the verse. I can bring it to you in the blink of an eye. So when Suleiman saw it placed before him, he exclaimed, quote, This is by the grace of my Lord to test me whether I am grateful or ungrateful. 
And whoever is grateful, it is only for their own good. But whoever is ungrateful, surely my Lord is self-sufficient and most generous. Allahu Akbar. Ah, reminder for us that get caught up in negative loops and we're not grateful for what we have and not great and we're not grateful enough for the things Allah didn't test us with. You know, little side note. So Sulaiman is showing his humility and reminding us this is always from Allah. And the more you're grateful, the more Allah gives and is self-sufficient. And if you don't want to be grateful, that's on you. Go ahead and live your miserable, negative, you know, catastrophic thinking life. Really, it's on you. Allah is generous and ready to give and he doesn't need you anyway. So it's, it's good for you if you're positive and have hope and make dua and ask for Allah and never assume Allah doesn't have or won't give. Because if you don't believe it, you'll never succeed. Right? If you don't believe it, you'll never try. I just you know, want to reflect on that portion where there's a human, righteous human who knew the scripture and was able to bring the throne even faster. What type of untapped potential does the human actually have? I mean, why does revelation always show the prophets have, yes, they're chosen and so forth. And they have miracles that unfolds reality in ways that helps us realize there is a a force behind it all. And this force can has had made contact. It has a constant presence with you. And it can, there's a co-participation that can happen in some points and in, in some ways. Of course, it varies in intensity depending on your status and what Allah wills and chooses to have uh, with you. But he has a personal relationship with everybody if everybody tries to have it with him, of course. Who is this human being and what does that mean about us? And why is this mentioned, this little incident here? It's not just about the throne, perhaps. It's also showing us that when a jinn said, look at what I can do so quick and you can be assured, Suleiman, that I'll do it. The human who knows his the scripture of Suleiman, I can do it in a blink of an eye and he does it. And it's like no competition. How much untapped potential? and power of consciousness and soul does the human actually have above the jinn that we're not aware of and they have done a very good job as well as you know indoctrination of other people and not just jinn right but humans in general of making you recognize or think you're less than what you actually are because islam is really always about helping the human being know who they actually are and what they're meant to be and so the shayateen don't want you to know that. They don't want you to they don't want you to really discover the power and the karama of Bani Adam truly because they're jealous. Remember, from day one, they wanted us out. They refused to even accept us. And they're they've had it in for us since that time. And they have been involved in cross-cultural history. Every single culture talks about supernatural creatures, and many of them even describe things similar to the descriptions of jinn. Right? It exists. You know, whether it's like reptilian things or re these reptilian creatures or demons or aliens, you know, something that isn't quite human is, is interfering and it has means of travel, it has understanding, it has sentience, it has technology, and it appears and, and, and acts or looks different, right? It's just so interesting because it's like, well, what are we missing here, right? And is all this, these modern mechanisms of you know, technology, how can it also be used against us? And how is it already being used against us? I mean, if people who've created these companies are, you know, a handful of those people are saying, look, I don't even let my own kids use tele, you know, mobile and this and that, because they recognize how dangerous it is on human development and the soul and consciousness. Like, let's real, let's be really frank here. It doesn't lead to anything other than forgetfulness of your true nature your true reality and your ultimate purpose and highest potential, okay? It doesn't make that any, it's all artificial, guys. Give me a break, all right? Eight million followers on Instagram doesn't mean anything, really. It doesn't, you know? For all we know, half the people out there buy those, those followers, right? But the point here is, so what? You know, what happens when your phone gets destroyed or Apple shuts down and there's no more ways to access all that? What do you do with yourself, right? And think about it. If this human being can outdo the jinn, then that means we can outdo them. But right now, they're convincing us God doesn't exist, shaitan doesn't exist, they don't exist. Nothing matters except your desires and your fun and your happiness and whatever the zeitgeist popular pop culture demands expect of you. I mean, it's, it's just 
It's like, where is it all going, right? Where is it all going, really? So if you really think about, on some level, this kind of fairy tale cosmic battle of, yes, evil versus good, and there's good humans and jinn, and there's evil humans and jinn. Allah says there's shayateen from humans too. And guess what? They collaborate with these evil jinn. And this is, we have concepts of sihr, magic, or the powers of manipulation and um, hijacking of human consciousness and perception of truth. That's ultimately what, what it's about. And anything that causes harm against the fitrah and the natural, beautiful, good order of Allah. That's why sihr breaks up families and, and husband and wife, because family is the cell of society. You know, sihr makes you uh, see things as illusory when they're, when they're not really there. Things, it can uh, manipulate what you perceive to uh, cause deviation or danger or dysfunction, right? The shayateen come to you with waswisa, right? Anxiety and scrupulosity and depression and negative thinking and... Where do you guys think these signals are coming from, right? Sometimes, of course, we're doing it ourselves. But my point is, is a lot of times when you know the difference between a nafsani and a shaitani whisper or inner suggestion is the nafs, the self or the ego is very repetitive. It's like on a loop. It's like that little kid inside you who won't shut up till you give him what he wants, right? It's like, I want this. I want that. Why can't I have this? It's like, be quiet. The shaitanic energy is more, it comes and it goes, and it feels very much like it was inserted. Like you're at your computer, you're working, you're talking to your wife, or you're playing with your kids, and all of a sudden, boom, you just get this powerful impression or display inside of, hey, go do something, you know, that's corrupting to your soul or haram, or it makes you remember or desire something haram of the past even to get it going, right? And so... The, shayate, the shaitanic energy will tend to, you'll hear it, let's say, in a cognitive way of you'll hear it talking to you in the second and third person often, right? So if a guy, if they want to get a guy to yell at his wife or argue with her and say, oh, who does she think she is? You're going to let her talk to you that way? Go show her who's the man, who's boss, right? So he's like, it's like literally that devil on your shoulder who's telling you to go do something deviant. Right, And usually when it's yourself talking to yourself, it's like, I feel like that's me. I'm me and I'm that and I can't believe they said that to me and I feel like that and what were they thinking? So you do get that kind of difference, right? Of when I talk to your, when you talk to yourself versus when someone else is talking to you. But the indications of shaitanic waswisa is, does it feel like it's externally inserted? Does it feel like it's out of context sometimes? And sometimes it comes in context, right? Like you and your uh, spouse are already having a little discussion that gets into a little disagreement. And then Iblis, you know, the shayateen assigned to each of you says, oh, I'm going to make this an argument now because I already got a little bit of spark. Let me throw some fuel on that for them. And so he'll, they'll work with each other. Right? So your jinn is collaborating with your spouse's jinn. And while you two are arguing and thinking you're just in the kitchen, they're actually going, yeah, it's okay, now that they said this, now you do this to them. You tell them to do this. And they collaborate. And they that's how, I mean, think about it, guys. How many crazy conflicts, arguments have you been in with people you love and care about? And later you're like, how the hell did that happen? It's like a zero to a hundred. Right? And again, separating people who have anger issues and trauma and all that stuff. Right? But... There's times you're just like, where, what is going on? It was almost like we we're under a spell. You follow? And it's true. These things can happen like this. You see? You know, to, to bring it all back, if the jinn have this electrical, energetic property to them, then they can travel, as we know, through dimensions. But what about objects like computers and phones? That whole, all that is, all the hardware is all about conductors, semiconductors and conductors of electricity and this and that and signals, right? Think about it. Zeros and ones is the mathematical language of the universe. Maybe that's the language that the jinn can use against us or harness, right? It's the language that can transfer them into our world through these objects and our desires and nafs can be fulfilled by them when we rub our phones like our little lamps, which are always made of metal too, right? It's interesting. You never see a lamp made of wood. I've never seen that in any folklore or story or anything. It's always metal, yeah? And this is the same thing your phone's made of, your computers and all the stuff that we know is causing a lot of damage to the moral fabric and the collective human uh, dynamic of, of our kind, 
right? So who knows? Allahu Adam, it's just me being a nerd and reflecting. And, uh, you know, I've also been really interested in, you know, the history of UFOs and aliens and, you know, people need to learn about Islam and the Sunnah because this concept of the jinn fits into all the paranormal UFO activities, all the stuff that it, basically it fits the story, right? It's, a, it's an actual explanation that fits properly. So it's, it's really interesting when you, when you kind of put it all together because I think a lot of times Muslims on the ground or believers from any community that recognize that the shaitanic demonic forces do exist, they're working against you around the clock, you know? Like, you can't live your life, ladies and gentlemen, like, oh, it's all about school and getting a nice husband or wife and like making sure my, you know, I'm good to my parent. And like, yeah, all that is dandy. But what about this other side of it that Allah keeps reminding us of, you know, the shayateen and the jinn? It's right there at the beginning of the story. It's there when Allah says, I created humans and jinn, jinn and humans to worship me. Allah talks about humans and jinn together constantly in Surah Ar-Rahman and Jannah and this and that. I mean, it's... Guys, don't forget about this. It's not a legend. It's not some folklore. You know, it's not some Aladdin reduce it to some cute funny... No, 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 no. Okay? There's a very serious element to this phenomena that is directly after you. Each and every one of you. Again, Allah says in the Quran... Take them as your open enemy, the shayateen and his minions. If someone comes up to you with a gun and puts it to your head or a knife around your neck and says, I hate you, I want to kill you, do you take that lightly? That person is openly showing his contempt or hatred towards you and that they want to hurt you and harm you. This is how Allah describes the shayateen towards humans and certainly towards the believing humans, right? But at the same time, don't fear them, fear Allah, as Allah says. Have fear of me and don't fear anything else. And Allah even tells Iblis, when Iblis asks for his request to be around till the end of time, to basically, you know, mess with Bani Adam and, and show them they're not worthy of, of uh, Allah's, you know, creation and to be Khalifa on the, on the earth and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you're not going to be able, you know, you can go and, and you're going to try to make a fuss and a ruckus, sure, but you're not going to be able to penetrate the sincere, right? Those who are sincere to Allah. It's like there's a force field there. Now, the contrary to all this, you also have angels, beings made of light, what you know, some kind of a light. And these are also creatures that are everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has them doing many different things. You have powerful angels, you have lower ranking angels, just like they're like the knights of Allah, you know, like the knights of King Arthur. It's like the knights of the king of, of, of everything, are the mala'ika. And you also have a good angel to protect and assign, uh, to protect you. You have angels that are scribes. You have angels that interact even. Like they say, guardian angel, right? That That's a real thing. And... There's also weird things that happen in a good way too. You know, like I remember once I was a kid and I saw this like crazy car accident once. Um, I was probably like 10 and I'm talking, this car was totaled, like crushed down into a flat tuna can, like the, the car. I am not lying. The ambulance and police that were there pulled out a very large woman from this car and I didn't see any blood or anything on her. And I was like, how is that even possible? You know, and stuff like that makes you also go, subhanAllah, like, was that a guardian angel? Was it, you know, it wasn't her time or, or, you know, other things like somebody was about to fall and have a vicious accident. They could have died. And it's like somehow they were able to catch their thing or they felt like pushed up. There's stories like this too. So if you think about it, and I'll use the word magical because I mean it in a healthy sense, not in a haram sense, but the world is a very magical place. It's a, you know, enchanting place. There are powers and layers and textures of reality that just because it's not directly accessible or seen by you doesn't mean it's not real and it's not affecting everything that's going on, right? We know even in modern psychology, one of the bases of analytical school of thought in most therapies is the subconscious and the unconscious mind, which is simply alam al-ghayb for the Bani Adam, if you think about it. It's the world or the realm of the unseen that is possessed within the human being. The unconscious is like the unseen realm of the human psyche. And it's just like the unseen. 
You can't see it directly, you can't access it necessarily directly or with ease, but it actually influences and shapes your conscious and your scene, your surface awareness of things. To kind of summarize for today, um, jinn are not a legend, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is part of our clear theology and understanding of the nature of reality, just like angels are and humans are and akhira is and Allah is and so forth. Uh, it's not something you should just take lightly, nor is it something you should constantly obsess about, right? It's like, you know, those people are always talking about jinn and jinn story. That and jinn, That's not healthy either, right? It's no, any extreme isn't good, but you have to be aware of it and you have to recognize Iblis, Shayateen, the demonic energies are real. They hate you. You're their enemy. They want to mess everything that's good about you or anything good that could happen to you. This is them. And even if you're not committing sins, major sins, mashallah, they'll still find ways to destroy you with your own religion, right? The devil comes to you with angel's light, right? And that's why you can fall off the path on the right side or the left side. You fall off the left side by you just don't practice and you go into all fahsha and sins and so forth and worship the nafs. So you fell off the left side. Falling off the right side is when you think, oh, I don't drink, I don't commit zina, I'm so good. And then you're self-righteous and arrogant and you're full of yourself and the shaitan uses Islam for you to destroy yourself. That's another mechanism that's used. And there's other ones because remember, they've been studying us before we even started studying ourselves. So they're actually the best human psychologists if you think about it, Right? They know our holes, our weaknesses, our fragility, our desires, and it's a competition for them, right? And the more they prove we're lousy and crummy and evil and don't even treat each other well, they are smoking cigars and, you know, thinking they're going to win the quote-unquote, you know, debate with Allah, Azawajal, right? Which is, of course, absurd, but even on Yom Al-Qiyamah, Iblis himself when people play the devil card and say, oh, shaitan made me do it. It was shaitan. He's going to say, yo, don't blame me. All I did was suggest something. You're the one that pulled the trigger. You're the one that cheated. You're the one that, you're the one, you're the one. Today, I fear Allah just like you. So basically stay away. Don't blame me and wrap me into more mud than I'm already in. Right? This is the story. This is uh, at least my understanding of how some of it goes, or at least how I make meaning of it. Kareem, right? I'm not a scholar, so don't quote me and don't go around... Uh, making a fuss about anything. It's just, I'm just a dad, a dude who's sharing some thoughts and ideas. So this is just, you know, tea time, coffee, reflections and chat. But I just think it's, you know, it just came up for me a lot in the last few months because, you know, as with COVID, you're spending a lot more time in the house. When you're at home a lot, you find yourself doing a lot more things on devices. And then you also find yourself realizing how much these devices, like, dude, there's people, their phone never leaves their hand. It's always there, the first thing you do, the first thing. I mean, think about it. Isn't the first thing you're supposed to do is remember Allah and say Alhamdulillah and take some deep breaths, right? Now the first thing we do, screen, notification. Who said what? What did that? What did they say? Am I good? Am I that? Dude, that is not from Bani Adam. So be careful. I remind myself first. It's very addictive. It's very consuming. I, you know, I turn off all notifications on my phone. I hate the mining. I hate the constant advertising, the constant this. I honestly, I hate everything ab about it these days, right? Other than the practical stuff I use it for. If you're alone somewhere, you live by yourself, you know, I'm not, you know, attacking you, right? I get it. You're lonely and you need to connect, you know, but I'm talking about the people who you live with five people, 10 people, and all day you're on your phone. I mean, you can't go have a dinner without your phone being, you're on your phone the whole time. It's like, you just go... It just goes to show you how is this not also uh, there is a dimension of this thing that is dark, absorbing, consuming, and it makes you worship other than Allah. Wallahi, it does. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and guide us and forgive us. I hope some of this rant made sense and uh, I hope to be releasing more shows more frequently and sooner than later. Keep me in your du'a and please support the podcast at patreon.com. Patrons, I love you guys, especially... You know, you stick around even when I don't put out, you know, as consistent. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely rest of your day, everybody. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi
huddling around the prophet. Signals to your consciousness. 